It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. You know, last week when we uh, talked, uh, my buddy Brian and I, uh, we came up with this plan for the presidential debate. The very first one is coming up this next week, and uh, so we have a plan, and we've created a, a, a drinking game. Now, you could be drinking Kool-Aid or coffee or cold beer or a shot of tequila or whatever it is, but the first debate between Biden and Trump is going to be moderated by Fox News' Chris Wallace and is scheduled to take place on Tuesday at Case Western Reserve University, and uh, that is uh, the Cleveland Clinic in, uh, in Cleveland. And Chris Wallace uh, said the topics that they're going to be covering are the Trump and Biden records, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, the economy, race and violence in our cities, and the integrity of the election, according to the Commission on Presidential Debates. Each segment, they say, is going to last about 15 minutes, and the candidates will have two minutes to respond after the moderator opens each segment with a question. Now, Chris Wallace will then use the rest of the time in the segment to facilitate further discussion on the topics, uh, according to the Commission's uh, debate report. So that's what we have. I wanted to get that information out. uh, because it is going to be uh, this Tuesday, and I believe it starts at uh, 8 o'clock St. Louis time. I, I, uh, yeah, 8 o'clock St. Louis time. It's 90 minutes long, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think a lot of people are anxious for it. So uh, my buddy Brian, let me bring him in. Uh, Brian, uh, welcome back to KMOX. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. Did you come up with any good rules for our drinking game, our debate drinking game? We want uh, something well, for uh, we want something for President Trump, for Vice President uh, Joe Biden, and we also want some rules for Chris Wallace, the moderator. Okay. You got it. Well, I, I know uh, when we did the Democratic debates last. I guess that was last year. Now, uh, remember we had uh, key phrases that anybody could say. Uh, one was existential threat. <laughs> right. Uh, and one was uh, racist, uh, and they were all referring to Trump during that. And uh, and uh, I, I believe we spoke after the one, and that was pretty tanked up. Uh, yeah, because uh, <laughs> you were playing the game, not with Kool Aid. I was playing the game. I was following the rules. Okay, so uh, on this one, by the way, there's a there is something like okay. Some people are saying there's no way the debates are going to happen. Some say, oh, they're absolutely going to happen. I believe the first one will happen, but I did see something on Facebook, which you can call fake news, that uh, that all of a sudden, just before the, the first debate, that Biden could contract in a report that uh, says he contracted COVID and then miss out on the first or all three debates and then miraculously uh, you know, emerge from his basement uh, just before the election and be a coronavirus survivor hero. I don't know. It, it, it's a theory that's out there. We'll just have to see if it plays out. But if the debate does happen on Tuesday, uh, here's how a drinking game works. If the candidates or Chris Wallace say certain things, that's when you're supposed to grab your glass of Kool-Aid or whatever your beverage is, and you're supposed to take a drink. So... If you've never played a game like this, uh, just be careful. We're not encouraging uh, irresponsible drinking, uh, but it could be fun. Let's start off with uh, Chris Wall. Play it with someone you love. Yeah, yeah, play, definitely, or play it alone. That's that's also good. <laughs> Uh, so let's start off uh, with the softball stuff. Uh, Chris Wallace, uh, he is known for saying certain things in, in conversations and debates he's done in the past. So uh, what do you, what are you thinking for Chris Wallace? So with Chris Chris Wallace, uh, I'm. Well, with any moderator, I think uh, this game may carry over to, to all three debates if they actually happen. Oh, yeah, these rules uh, will stick. <laughs> and, and, and I would say that if we do the blanket, then it would be any time the moderator arbitrarily fact-checks either candidate. Like on the spot? On the spot. 
Okay, so he's got the the thing in his ear. So somebody could be uh, checking for him, uh, or he's a smart guy. He may be able to be able to take care of it himself. Uh, so anytime Chris Wallace fact checks either President Trump or Vice President Biden, um, and uh, how about this one? I'm asking you specifically because a lot of times he'll ask a question and the response will be unrelated completely. Uh, so he likes to say that a lot. I've seen him say that in, in previous debates and on YouTube videos. I'm asking you specifically and, uh, a fact check. That's, that's our rules for Chris Wallace. Sound good? I think that covers it. Okay. So let's move on to, uh, president Trump things that he would say, just a couple things. So we make it simple for everybody. Um, what do you think when he uses the word, what fake news? Okay, okay. When he says fake news, when President Trump says fake news during the debate, that's when you grab your iced tea and take a, take a slurp. Or, or a hoax. We could probably, we could probably interchange those. Oh, those are two good ones. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but, the, but those are two different words or two different phrases. So let's use those. If, if President Trump says hoax or fake news, grab your chocolate milk and take a drink. <laughs> chocolate milk. There see, you go. See what I'm doing there? Okay. Um, mine, mine may have some vodka and Kahlua in it. Ooh, a white Russian, Russian collusion. (laughs) Actually, that's not a bad rule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. So, uh, man, right away, uh, Joe Biden, vice president, Joe Biden will be on that stage supposedly on Tuesday. And, uh, anytime he says, and I'm going to just, I'm going to throw this one out there because I hear him say it all the time. When he says, period, he makes a comment, period. Oh, yeah. He wants to put the exclamation on there. Um, so that's mine for, for uh, Vice President Biden. Uh, what do you got? Mine would be, come on, man. <laughs> oh, no. Do you think he would say that? I, 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 that's kind of a go-to. It's, if, he, if, he, if he gets into any argument with anybody, it's generally, generally it's, come on, man. And I'm pretty sure that that will be provoked out of him by Donald Trump. Do, do you think he'll say dog face pony soldier? I, I don't think he'll. I don't know if he'll remember that. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it's certainly interesting. Uh, there are th- there are four total debates scheduled. The first one is Tuesday. Then they're going to have the vice presidential debate between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. And uh, I guess we're going to have to come up with uh, some rules for that before that happens. That uh, one will be tough. That would be tough because I don't know any like catchphrases that they have. Well, Mike Pence, he does refer uh, he he does refer to uh, religion quite a bit. So you could probably uh, do that. Yeah, I'll have to do uh, some YouTube video research. Yeah, yeah, Kamala, she you know hers hers may be easier. Uh, she, I think that she's done. Believe it or not, I think she's done more public speaking. Even though Mike Pence was a was a radio host for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. That that'll be homework. Well, Brian, we've got till October seventh to come up with those rules. Uh, but uh, we are sticking with hoax and fake news for President Trump. Period. And come on, man, for Joe Biden. And uh, if Chris Wallace fact checks or says, "I'm asking you specifically," because he likes to, you know, grab a hold of that uh, control of the conversation. Uh, those are the rules for our debate drinking game. Uh, any any thoughts of uh, the week's news, though, before uh, before I cut you loose? Uh, well, the Brianna Taylor thing I, I, that that is a, that's a mess. It's very uh, sad, <laughs> and I don't know how much uh, how much research you've done on it. Uh, there, you know the the evidence 
really, really, I, I, I would ask anybody that doesn't agree with what happened to put themselves in the shoes of somebody that's going in front of the grand jury. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and that's really, it's the flip test. If, if, if put yourself in the position in front of the grand jury and do you want them to indict solely because there's a mob that's going to rage if they don't. And in many cities. Right. Right. Um, because really, when you look at what they were presented with, they they really, really went above and beyond, even going after the uh, the one officer for firing into the into the second apartment. Right, and I, uh, I did and, hear this late last night that uh, the, it was a no knock warrant, which means a, a, a you know the police can uh, you know just go in uh, with a no knock warrant. But somebody just revealed last night that they actually did knock before they right, went in. Yeah, they knocked. Now the and and even the 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 boyfriend, Brianna's boyfriend, uh, who was the one that shot one of the one of the officers, uh, he said that there was that that there was a knock. He confirmed that. Now he said that he he did not hear them announce. So the no knock warrant means you can just bust down the door, do your thing. Yeah. Uh, the, what they did was a knock and announce, uh, where they knock and then you know yell police and then come in. Uh, now there was a one there was a one minute span from the moment where they knocked to the moment that they entered the uh, the apartment. Right, right. Uh, and in which time uh, the uh, Brianna Taylor's uh, boyfriend had already fired uh, a shot. Well, yeah, and, the, uh, and return fire is what police do. And 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 I, I am not. I think no knock warrants are horrible. I think it's. I think they're unconstitutional. I, I think it needs needs to go away. Well, I, you know what? I, I'll agree with you on that, but police work is hard, uh, but I do believe that they would have come out at some point, so why not just wait? That's that's my well, point. And, and, and well, there's, there's that, and then there's the other, the other uh, if they had breached without knocking, chances are they would have come in with enough force where nobody got hurt sure. or nobody got killed. It's a very sad uh, so story. There's, a, there's quite a few different arguments to be had, but the bottom line is, no matter how you approach it, one, don't have boyfriends dealing drugs out of your apartment. I mean, that right there, nobody's even talking. None of the people that are rioting are taking into account that this woman was involved with drug dealers for years. She actually, uh, she's linked to a, she rented a vehicle that was used in a murder. Right, right. So they're focusing on the fact that she was an EMT, but that doesn't mean she wasn't doing drugs out of her apartment. Right. So well, and I don't know if the current boyfriend was a drug dealer, but a previous one was. I did read that. But who who uh, surveillance shows was still regularly visiting that apartment. Ah. She was under surveillance for quite some time. We can all agree that police work is the toughest job right now in this country. As oh a matter of goodness, fact, yeah. uh, in our next segment, Brian, thank you for your time. In our next segment, we've got a bow in the go stop with actually the major case squad of Greater St. Louis. My name is Bill Matthews, and this is the voice of St. Louis KMOX. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Hey, it's Bo in the Ghost Stop. I'm in Ellisville, Missouri, and I'm with the chief of police of Ellisville, Stephen Lewis, but he uh, wears multiple hats. He's also on the board of the St. Louis Major Case Squad and uh, had lunch with him, and I just wanted to further the conversation about what some of the things that we talked about, about how important and how effective the Major Case Squad is. Welcome to KMOX. Stephen, how are you? Can't thank you enough for having me on, Bo. This is amazing. No, no, this is. And, and our worlds collided at the right time, I think. Especially
especially in the world of hearing these terms of defunding and defragmenting the police departments and stuff, I feel, as well as a lot of Americans, that we have to have law and order. And what we're seeing on our TV screens may not even be the truth. It's just the narrative being pushed. But I, I want to assure people that are listening to KMOX right now that work is being done. Good work is being done. And I went to your website. Uh, it is St. Louis Major K-Squad. Major K-Squad, Greater St. Louis. Yeah, you can just Google that and find it. And I encourage anybody to do that because the first takeaway was if, uh, if, if police officers are, you know, in the narrative that we hear are shooting black people or black men on a regular basis, my first takeaway was most of the crimes of the victims you are trying to solve are African-American males that you're trying to help them and their families. You're trying to help close up these gaps in these, these solve these crimes. Major K-Squad is, is so busy all the time. And uh, frame out how, how the Major K-Squad works. It's not just you. You're on the board. Correct. How many people are we talking? We have over 500 investigators. Uh, we have 119 member agencies. And the Major K-Squad of Greater St. Louis actually encompasses both Missouri and Illinois. Uh, we have nine counties that we cover. Uh, we are involved with pretty much any agency who doesn't have the resources available to do a homicide investigation within their jurisdiction, they can activate the major case squad as a member agency. And we literally immediately send out 20 to 25 investigators, all trained seasoned investigators to look into this crime. And, and really our goal is obviously to solve the crime and to bring justice to the families of these homicide victims. And at the top of this conversation right now, I want to clarify how important the major case squad is of St. Louis because the success rate of closing out cases is 80%. 80%. Did you hear that, people? 80% of the cases are solved by the major case squad. So when your team of, of various officers that come in from all over, does the major case squad come to you and then assist your officers and work with your people in your particular department? So we would assign detectives from my agency to liaison and help with the investigation. But actually what's great about the major case squad is, is they send every component of that investigation. So they will have a commander who will come to the scene and that is the lead investigator, the person calling all the shots. It's not gonna be the chief of police. I'm calling them in for their assistance. He's going to have a, a deputy assistant. He's going to have a report writer. This is someone that actually composes this report, which, as you can imagine, with a crime of that nature, it's going to be lengthy. It's going to be hundreds of pages, potentially, with physical evidence, with DNA evidence, with, with all kinds of interviews and witnesses and things like that. The investigators are going to be out in the area. We're going to flood the area with investigators who are looking for physical evidence. They're looking for eyewitness evidence. We're looking for digital evidence. Video footage. Video kind of footage, thing, yeah. things of that nature. When we call the Major case squad out, they literally take over the investigation. They don't take over the total crime. They don't take over the city or the agency. They still will communicate with me, and they'll still talk to me about what they're doing. Right, because they may be unfamiliar with the area Absolutely. or the people, right? Okay. And, but, but what we do is we kind of give them the lead, and we ask them to take their expertise and to look into this incident and look into the crime. We hope to have somebody out within an hour of, of being called out so that they're on scene and they're looking at the evidence that's available to them. The criteria and the main focus of what we do is to bring justice to the family of these homicides. That is law and order and justice is the most important thing in this country, in this free country we live in. Um, I want to talk about how important it is for 
just a, a, an innocent bystander. They saw something. They heard something. Um, I've mentioned on my show about Crime Stoppers and how important they are. You work closely with them. We do. We coordinate with Crime Stoppers. So Crime Stoppers is an organization that people can call in in an anonymous fashion. They can receive uh, reward money for some of the information that they provide. But someone who works with Crime Stoppers, they see a crime. It's associated with one of the homicides we're investigating. They may call Crime Stoppers and report the information that they had. And then if that information is used to ultimately obtain a conviction, Crime Stoppers may or may not have a reward for those right. Right. And, you know, my, my dad, I, I mentioned uh, before we start talking here, that uh, was Mr. Anti-Terrorism at Scott Air Force Base. And he has always instilled in me that every eye is a censor. Here's the thing that people do need to understand, especially about an organization like the Major K-Squad. We are there helping the families of the victims of violent crime. This is law enforcement trained investigators coming out to help bring justice, to help solve crimes. And by the way, Oftentimes, uh, the people that we deal with, they're repeat offenders. They're people that if they shoot and kill one person, they may shoot and kill another. Right. We are trying to bring them to justice before they commit another crime. Uh, All of law enforcement, for one, needs the public to assist us. We truly, we need the public. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not afraid to say that. We are all one community. Yes. But when it comes to homicide investigations, that is even more so important. We need the eyewitness accounts. We need people to come forward to help us stop violent offenders from committing more violent crime. Is there any way that, that we can help as, as a civilian to help that, that help that situation? So we work mostly off of fundraising ability. Right. That, that's really what we do. The individual salaries of the officers as part of a member agency with the Major K Squad our departments voluntarily supply those investigators during that period of time they're called out to investigate a crime. So I have an Ellisville police detective, but there is a homicide in pick any other jurisdiction. When the major case squad's called out, I am giving my detective for those five days to that crime scene and to that investigative body to conduct that crime. And we are willing as a member agency and for the reciprocal agreement that if something were to happen here, they could would assist us. We're willing to give that resource. However, we send out 25 detectives for each homicide investigation. They have to be fed. They work 24-hour shifts. Right. They don't just come out and work four or five hours and go home. They're away from their families. They need to do uh, specific investigative techniques. We expend money on travel and gas and vehicles and things of that it's nature. It's all part of it, yeah. It's all part of it. And so our funding source is literally we have a golf tournament every year. And then we look for business support. We look for community and corporate support. Right. And and that truly is the best uh, method for us. We're not beholden to any one agency or one organization, right? We're, we're a cooperative of 119 uh, participating agencies who allow our detectives to work on, quite frankly, it, it's the most heinous of crimes, right? right, right. When you talk about the importance of bringing justice to the family of a young murder victim, to the family of an old murder victim, to the family of any murder victim, that is important. I don't want to say it's God's work, but to me, it's God's work, right? I, you know what? I, I believe that what we see on TV right now, by the way, we're talking with the chief of Ellisville Police Department, Stephen Lewis, also a board member for the Major Case Squad of Greater St. Louis, right. that this is actually a, a war between good and evil. 
It truly is in the heart because you can only judge a man by his character of his heart or a person. And, and I think you're right. And, and so when you say I'm doing God's work, you are. You are trying to comfort and to bring to justice for the family who have lost somebody. Kudos to you uh, on what you do. But I would like to continue this conversation whenever you need me to share information about a case that is maybe fresh or maybe it's a cold case. And, and you know, you're looking just for answers. I, I just don't think that it's it's necessary to squash and to control what your narrative is because that's the only way you're going to be able to solve these crimes. Correct. When, when I heard that uh, the networks were taking away the cop show, to me, that was just a great reminder of what not to do. Right. You know, you disrespect a police officer, things are not going to go well. So uh, on behalf of law-abiding Americans... Stephen Lewis, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I certainly hope we can continue this conversation. And uh, and really, if you know something about anything, uh, you need to find the uh, Crime Stoppers number because maybe that one time you saw something in a parking lot, it, it, you may think it's nothing, but it could be something. In the words of my father, every eye is a sensor. Again, Captain Stephen Lewis of the Ellisville Police Department, Chief. Sorry, not Chief, Captain. That's okay. Chief, C- Captain's way below you, right? No, 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 no. There's no one below me. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Chief of Police of Ellisville, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your community and the people you reach out to. We will talk soon, for sure. Thank you, sir. People say to me all the time, what is that bow on the go thing? It's just me going out in the community to meet uh, business owners or law enforcement like this. If you have a suggestion for uh, a place you'd like me to visit in a bow on the go stop, you can find me on social media and shoot me a message. Just find B-O-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S on all the major platforms. All right. Parents, you do have a choice when it comes to your kids. Are you having a tough time with the uh, the homeschooling type of scenario, the remote learning, if you want to call it that? Well, you do have a choice, and we'll tell you all about that next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Up in the morning and out to school. So many stories about this school year that just begun not too awful long ago. Uh, hybrid learning, uh, you know, remote learning, in-person learning, but only a couple of days. Well, I recently learned that there are some schools available that do have in-person all-week classes, and it happens to be a school with pre-K through 12th grade in one place. And that took me back to the first time I learned of my wife. She went to school in a very, very, very small town in upstate New York. And when she told me that she had K through 12 in one building, I was like shocked. I was like, hold on, that's like Little House on the Prairie kind of stuff. But it exists today. My guest, Bethany Chelsvik, who is an educator at Providence Classical Christian Academy. It still exists, doesn't it? Yes, and actually, uh, we are an independent pre-K through 12 school um, tucked in South, uh, South County right across from Ronnie's Plaza. And we've actually been in operation, I want to say this is our 27th year. Wow. So, And um, prior to being here, I was in public education for a decade and uh, doing 7th through 10th grades. And uh, so I'm, I'm in a very different environment, um, but I can't speak highly enough of it. And because we are an independent school, and because our student census is smaller than the, the local public school districts, we do have the opportunity to meet during this pandemic season. Yeah, and, and that's changed your uh, your lineup of children. You've had a lot of people joining uh, and going to yes. school with you guys, even as of as of this week. 
Yes, yeah. So we've had um, at least 15 students who came to us with, within uh, the weeks, couple weeks just prior to school starting. And then tomorrow I'm actually onboarding another student as well. And a lot of it is parents are saying that the online platform is just not going to work for them. Obviously, sometimes both parents have to work and so they don't have an option for their right, child to right. remain at home. But there are parents who are saying, no, my, my kid isn't thriving in this online platform. Even if you have Zoom meetings all day long, that's not the same as being in person, which we get. And and the larger school districts are hampered by um, some, some other stipulations. And, and some of them are so large to reconfigure is just not working. But um, yeah, some families are just having to make that big decision that they can't go through an entire year of online learning. It's just not working for their children. It's not working for them as a family. Yeah. And I, you know, Bethany, I can't begin to think of, you know, putting a second or third grader or any other age, uh, even, a, <laughs> even a high schooler in front of a computer screen all day long it just right. uh, that's not how we're built and you right. know kudos to the families that do uh homeschooling because they right. have their criteria and they're 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 built for that they're you know they do right. that and they do that with conviction and i love that but not everybody is is that way and so right. the point of this conversation really excuse me is is yeah. really to let people know that there are other options out there Absolutely. Be- besides public or government schools if you will Absolutely. And let me make a distinction between homeschooling and online learning. And and so anyone in the homeschool community will say that what the rest of the world is being forced into right now is not homeschooling. In homeschooling, you get to pick the curriculum that works for your family. 100%. It is not externally mandated. And so you're not forced into, oh, I have to be here at this time. I have to be here at this time. So, and, and homeschooling is completely different from uh when I was younger, right now, there are just so many resources um, available to really make it an exceptional option for families. The home learning is externally imposed and it's retrofitting what's supposed to be happening in a large group setting through an online online platform. And um, yeah, the, the two are absolutely not the same. Hands are tied. What do you do? Yeah. But there are absolutely options. And something that people might not even consider um, is that you don't have to be enrolled in your local public school this year. If the online schooling is not working for you, you can write a letter to the central office, unenroll your son or daughter, and you can pick up options that are going to work for you. Um, There are private schools, local independent schools that will allow you to come in for maybe only certain hours of the day if you're not ready to make the plunge to do full-time private schooling. I did homeschool my daughter for a period of time when we were transitioning from public ed to uh, to independent schools. And um, But you did that voluntarily. You you that was I your did. mission, right? And that's what homeschool exactly. parents do. They 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 exactly. take it on themselves. They know it's a challenge and they then they figure right. it out. But what I love about Providence and I'm just reading this off the website, but I love it at at Providence, we ultimately strive to teach children how to learn and what to love. I love that. Yes, yes. And that is actually a hallmark of classical education. Um, One of the the conversations I had with my sixth graders in the last week, a student asked the question, well, when am I going to use this? And I said, let's frame the question differently. How is what we're doing training your mind and shaping your heart? Because at the end of the day, uh, when someone's reflecting on his or her life, they're not saying, oh, I wish I had gotten into this college or, oh, I wish I had pursued this career or gotten this job. It's, it's about training our minds to be able to handle whatever we encounter. I mean, Bo, let's, let's face it, like jobs um, that are, exist today didn't exist when you and I were going through school. Sure. How could our schooling have prepared us for the jobs that exist today? But if you train your mind 
to think critically and um, that goes beyond a standardized test question, but to really be able to think critically and logically um, and then shaping your heart to love what is true and what is good and beautiful. And oh my goodness, right? Being able to define truth in today's day age is quite controversial. Um, but if we're truly pursuing truth and goodness and beauty, um, that gives students something far greater to pursue as opposed to, oh, I've got a standardized test or, oh, I've got exactly. an ACT score I have to, I have to meet. And um, the interesting thing about Providence is we have stellar ACT scores. For the last 10 years, the average has been at least 29. Wow. I want to say the state average is around 21, something like that, maybe. We train students on how to think. Um, students at Providence in eighth grade take formal logic, which is such an inc um, incredible opportunity for them to truly understand the framework of an argument. And uh, just part of the classical education going through uh, that process is what trains their mind. And and then the, the Christian aspect is what helps to shape their hearts. Absolutely. Um, and, and so we offer something very unique. There are other classical schools in the area that um, uh, just bend on being classical, but we are the classical Christian model. Yeah. When you told me the name of the school, I thought, oh, is it for talented kids? Is it for musicians? But it's it's not. It's it's classic uh, It's classic yep. schooling. Bethany Chelsvik is our guest. She's an educator at Providence Classical uh, Christian Academy. So do you teach, as an educator there, do you teach multiple grades or are you strictly, you mentioned sixth graders? Correct. So I'm, I'm the primary teacher for sixth grade. Um, and then I also step out and teach one of our upper school literature courses. Okay. So I kind of serve as a hybrid, um, which is a unique opportunity because I get to work with my students where they are now, but I also get to help them stretch towards where they're going um, when I encounter them in a couple of years from now. Wow. So the common thread is everyone is passionate about. You can hear it in your know? voice. I'm telling you, when I met yes. you, I was like, wow, she is really into this. And I know a lot of teachers that are very passionate, sure. but I can definitely Absolutely. hear it in your voice. And I, I think it's, it's so impressive because it is our job as adults right. that have children. You, you have to train your children. You have to show them what's yes. right or not. Uh, Yes. A business owner friend of mine says, my employees, I teach them what I allow is what his mantra was. Right, right. So, there you, go. It, you know, sure. but it's, it's the character of a person's heart. It is. Absolutely. And um, one of the things that struck me in public education is that there is this teaching of character education. But at the end of the day, when I tell a student, well, you should be respectful of the person next to you. And when that student asks me, well, why? It's actually illegal for me to answer that question properly in the sense of, you, you know, from, in a public school. From, in a public school, yeah. yes, but but here in a classical Christian model, um, we we can bring in that biblical perspective and that understanding. And building character isn't something we do as an add-on. We use the subject material that we have yeah. to shape the entire student. And one of the hallmarks of our graduates is that if they they truly don't have a passion and a love and a desire for learning and exploring their world, then we've missed the mark. If all right. they did was get great grades and great test scores, then we've done something wrong along the way um, because those are only going to take you so far. So true. Um, yeah. And there's so much more to be explored in the learning process than just college or career uh, readiness. We want to touch their hearts. We, we want to transform them from the inside out um, so that they can carry on um, this legacy of learning. Well, I want to thank you for doing this heavy lifting and all your uh, colleagues at Providence. 
thank you so much for your time and explaining that there are choices out there, parents. There uh, are. Grandparents, if you're struggling as well, uh, you can look into this kind of thing. And I just think it's so important that we get the word out. So, Bethany, it was a pleasure to meet you in person. It's great to have you on my show. And, uh, and thank you so much for your passion to train young minds uh, and, and to be great people eventually. So thank you very much. Absolutely. You're quite welcome. Thank you so much, Bo. And if you have a desire to speak directly with Bethany Chelsvek, all you have to do is reach out to her on email. That's bethanykj at outlook.com. Or you can go to Facebook and find her at Real Support for Virtual Learning. You know, and while we're on the subject of children, you know, Halloween isn't too awful far off. And have you thought about what that looks like? What does trick-or-treating look like? Or Halloween parties, trunk-or-treats are a thing? Well, there's a guy that came up with an idea to deliver the candy while social distancing. And we'll talk to him next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And, you know, we talk about everything on the show, including the anticipation of Halloween. It's just around the corner. You know, a lot of people are talking. What, what's going to happen with trick-or-treating this year? What's going to happen with trunk-or-treats? Kids love to get dressed up. A lot of parents love to get dressed up. And I found a dad who really loves Halloween, obviously. Andrew Beatty and uh, and Lila, his, his daughter's in the background there. <laughs> okay, does Lila know what she's going to be for Halloween yet? What are you going to be, sweetheart? Mel. Mel from the Descendants movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, Dad, what are you going to be? Do you know? There's a good chance it might be Michael Myers, but being from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, I might end up having to dress up in my custom-made Mothman <laughs> suit I've been working on. Too. Ooh, wow, that would be cool. This is such a strange time, Andrew, and when I heard about what you've done, I thought, you know what? This guy can inspire so many other people because a lot of people are calling off. They're saying that, you know, handing out candy at Halloween could be dangerous. It could be a super spreader idea. Uh, You know what? You are innovative. You have MacGyvered a situation. You've come up with a solution that a lot of people need to pay attention to. Tell me what you have come up with. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So, you know, the idea originally started as something that, you know, we've seen some other people make some similar things, whether it's a zip line through their yard or even in some cases, something similar to what we had here. But what we hadn't seen so far was something that was really kid friendly to build, something that was cheap to make, maybe even something that you could make out of things that you have around the house like we did, okay. something that maybe even be biodegradable if you don't want to store it for the season, but just something that could take some of that fear and anxiety around this whole, uh, what should be a fun time from everyone. Everything and, you know, has We changed. usually try to, to go all out around Halloween at our house and try to uh, pass out candy and decorate nicely and whatnot. But every year we've encountered people who have challenges, even when we don't have a pandemic, whether right. it's they're in a wheelchair or they have a stroller or something. And we wanted to come up with something for a while now that could help them navigate our steps too. And this just seemed like something that was really easy to do and a fun project to do with our daughter. And it uh, seems like it's something that's resonating with people as uh, something that might be a good solution to okay. take some of the anxiety away from the okay. situation. So we haven't said what it is yet. Now, I want you to explain uh, uh, that, it, it, as you mentioned, it's very easy to build, if you, if you will. Um, you mm-hmm. have come up with what you call what? The candy shoot. The candy shoot. So you're keeping your social distancing, but you're still delivering goodies to the boys and girls that are trick-or-treating. 
Yes. So we have a set of front steps in front of our, our steps in front of our house, and they're your typical concrete steps. And, you know, not easy for really little ones to navigate anyway, much less someone with mobility challenges. And, right. You know, for me, I was born with an immune deficiency, so it's always top of mind when I see someone struggling. I want to go down to them and give them that candy. But, you know, between an immune deficiency myself and wearing a full face mask and a costume, that's not really all that you know, all that easy for me either. So for a while, we've been wanting to do something. And what we came up with was we took a simple Amazon shipping tube that's six feet long. So within guidelines of social distancing. There you go. Okay. We painted it up orange, put some black tape and some lights on it and stuck it right on our handrail. So it was extremely cheap to make and it worked perfectly. Oh, that's fantastic. I I just think it's ingenious. And I think a lot of people are going, what are we going to do? We're just not going to be able to hand out candy. And now you come up with the candy shoot. Uh, Do you, do you already know what have you've already tested it does it work fine are you sending out full-size snicker bars or what are you doing dad <laughs> so the one that we have we actually had a photo backdrop uh, ironically it was a fall backdrop that we got a few years ago to take family pictures and silly pictures and costumes with and whatnot so it's been lounging around in our basement taking up space for a while my daughter and i play with it talking to each other through it or dropping <laughs> toys down it and i know her mother and her do the same thing regularly so we've we've used it similarly before but we just hadn't ever actually put two and two together we're thinking you know this could be an, an ideal solution for trick-or-treat then a couple of weeks ago we were playing in the basement with it before bedtime and it just kind of occurred to us you know this might actually be a really great solution that is super easy doesn't require tools to build and something that we can do together so and we even did that evening and next day i posted a couple of pictures of it on social media to my halloween hillbilly group and for my parents to see since they're <laughs> in a high-risk group as well and right. next thing you know it's got eighty-five thousand shares <laughs> well you're you're inspiring people people are freaking out on hey we're not going to be able to have halloween but now you can and lila have you tested out the candy shoot does it work it does and, and it's perfected it works fantastic doesn't it Awesome. Well, happy Halloween to you, little one. Happy it's Halloween. Happy Halloween to you, too. Um, it, Thank just, you, sir. It, happy Halloween to you, Bo. It, it's just so cool. Thank you so much for being creative and getting it out there. And your 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 comment about it being great for somebody that has mobility issues, I think is fantastic. You're going to use this thing forever. We sure are. We're planning to. Yeah, I wanted to get that out there just to give you plenty of time if you're going to work on some kind of a contraption, candy shoot, zip line, whatever it is, to deliver candy this Halloween. Of course, I checked the cdc.gov website, and they, of course, have advice uh, and some, some things to think about to make sure everybody's safe. They say celebrating virtually or with members of your own household pose low risk for spread. In-person gatherings pose varying levels of risk because there's so much we still don't know. But you might want to check that out just to make sure everybody can celebrate Halloween as safely as possible. That's cdc.gov. My name is Bo Matthews. Coming up after the break for the news, we have an author who wrote a book entitled Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. When I read about this, I thought, man, this is a story that has to be told because we think you know, all that we're concerned about is what's going on right in front of our face and on our TV screens. There are still major battles going on around the world, and we will talk with David Eubank next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. (laughs) 
It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And, you know, it seems like uh, everybody's on a mission right now, right, to do something. Even even a mission to go get toilet paper at the, the grocery store is something. But let me tell you, there are a lot more bigger missions that are going on in the world. And I just got wind of a new book that's out right now by David Eubank uh, and Hosanna Valentine, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. And I've got David Eubank, the author on uh, or the co-author on the phone right now. Welcome to St. Louis and Camo Xer. How are you? Thank you, Bo, and God bless you and anyone who listens in Jesus' name. You know what? You said it right. And I will tell you that I have said this so many times in all the headlines that we see here in America right now and around the world. There's a war. There is a war between good and evil, or God and the evil one. If you would, if you would believe that. And let me let me just kind of uh, open up the the airwaves so you can explain what this book is about, what the story is, so we can all understand what Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul is all about. Well, thanks, sir, and thanks, dear listeners. I'm David Eubank, and my wife and I and our three kids have been serving in Burma for 27 years. That's also called Myanmar, longest running civil war in the world. We have about 100 relief teams there on the ground in the conflict areas. But in 2015, we were invited to bring our, some of our relief teams over to Kurdistan, northern Iraq, and help people under attack by ISIS. And so we keep working in Burma. That's still our primary mission. But we bring teams. These are ethnic people from Burma, Asians, over to Iraq because they're good at their job. They're field surgeons and videographers and wonderful people tested by battle and following the Lord. And we brought them to Iraq and first with the Kurds up on Sinjar Mountain and the Yazidis who were surrounded by ISIS and many of them slaughtered. And then as the ISIS forces were defeated by the Kurds by fall 2016, we were invited into Mosul, the last big stronghold in Iraq that ISIS had to help the Iraqi army. And that was something God did. And I remember when I met the Iraqi general right in the middle of fighting, I brought I drove in my family, my team. He said, who got you here? Who sent you? I said, God did. And he goes, how did you know? He didn't doubt it. He's a Muslim. And at the end of the battle, he told me, when my country was losing to ISIS, I asked God, God, save my country. And he sent me the two worst things, an American Christian. And (laughs) we became became brothers. I lost one of my team members there. I was wounded four times in the Battle of Mosul. Four of my guys were shot. And many of my friends were killed. But in, in through that, not only was ISIS defeated, but we became friends with some of the ISIS people who surrendered. Some of the wow. kids who were wounded became our real friends. And that's what Jesus does. It's not just about destroying your enemies. It's about, if possible, if they're willing, enemies can become friends. But only, in my experience, with the loving power of Jesus, not only in their heart, but in my heart, so that I can re- accept that. And if the book is about a little bit about Burma. That's to give you context of our where we came from, where our main, main mission still is. Right. But mostly it's about the Battle of Mosul and from and our part in it, supporting the Iraqi army with humanitarian care to take care of civilians that were breaking free all the time from ISIS, as well as some women and children that were ISIS wounded themselves. But we were also giving medical care right at the front with the Iraqi army. So it would be me and, and some of the men on my team in the front where the fighting was, taking care of wounded, and my wife and kids were sometimes 
200 yards behind, 500 yards behind, no more than maybe a mile behind at a Cassidy collection point where they would be taking out of direct fire, where, where they'd be taking care of family members that had fled. At what point did you feel that God was so present in your life to, to do this mission, to continue with and to bring your whole family with you? My parents are missionaries in Thailand. They're still there. My dad's 91. My God mom's 88. Wow. They just were baptizing people along the Burma-Thai border just four days ago. They're still working, and they love it. And so I grew up as a missionary kid, and then I got an Army ROTC scholarship, was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Army out of Texas A&M, and was in the infantry first in Panama and then the second range battalion. Then I commanded a special forces unit. Through all that, though, I became a proper Pharisee, meaning I believed God, I followed the rules, I didn't drink, I didn't do this and that and that. And, but I was completely me first, God second. Sure, <laughs> like sure. Pharisees. And, and I had total failure. And that took me to my knees and a new relationship with Jesus who forgave me and gave me a new mission. And I really felt him say, you can stay in the army and put me first this time or get out and see what happens. Both were part of God's kingdom. I could choose. I thought, well, I'll miss the army. I'll miss the action and the people, but I want to see what else is out there and what God can do with me as foolish and limited as I am. And I got out and went to Fuller Seminary, met my wife in between that. We got married. And right in the beginning of that, a tribe from Burma, again, Burma's 70 years of conflict, right. also called Myanmar, came out of Burma to Thailand, met my parents and said, please send someone to help us in the war zone. We want oh. someone who follows Jesus and who's a warrior. And, and I got a phone call and I went. My wife and I went. That was our honeymoon. And we started <laughs> wow. the teams there. And my experience as a, as a missionary kid and then later as a special forces and ranger officer made it not difficult to fit into this war zone in the jungle, except we're on the losing side. You know, I always played cowboys and Indians as a kid. I was always a cowboy fighting the Indians. Well, yeah. now I'm with the Indians. Now I understand what it's like to be beat up because of your ethnicity and to be under the underdog. But I know that we're all made in God's image. Everybody counts. You and know, we're I, able to serve these people. What, what's amazing to me, and I don't know what the disconnect is, but when my daughter went into the army and she was on the she was in uh, Kuwait on the front movement into Iraq in '03, post 9/11, my young girl is signing up to be in the army. What I tried to explain to her was this: every war like this is a religious war. I mean, you know, we we know that Allah is, you know, what ISIS prays to, and I. But is is Jesus instilled in our soldiers in America through basic training? You know what I mean? It, why doesn't it feel like it's a, a religious war? We're just, you know, we got the nuts and bolts, we got the ships, we got the guns, but it just doesn't seem like it's a religious war. Well, I think. Every war in the world in the end is a civil war and that we're always fighting a brother, no matter what their skin color, philosophy or religion is. Right. We're all we're all God's children. And the, like Paul said, the, the real battle is not or the it's not the real battle. They're both real battles. Physical battle is real. But the deeper battle is a spiritual battle. Yeah, that, that's between between Satan and all of us. And, and Satan would like us to kill all Iraqis, no matter what they call themselves and vice versa. Satan would like to have all Democrats and Republicans kill each other. If we're seeing it every day in our headlines. Absolutely. Yeah. And if we won't, then hate, hate, start with hate. And so even in the Battle of Mosul, I remember praying with Iraqi soldiers and they called God Allah. Like God in English, that's the English word for God. It's not the Hebrew word for God. Right. And in Thai, God is called Pratyal. Among the Kran, he's called Kasayowa or Yawa. And Hebrew, I guess, could be Yahweh. It's one in Right. I've heard that. Yep. 
And, and, and the Arabs would say, well, we call him Allah. And, and from Ail, like, you know, Ail is a Hebrew word signifying God. That's where that Allah comes from. Yeah. And that's their pronunciation. And, and, and in the Wa language, he's called C-A. So when someone says, I'm praying to God, and I use this name, this name, this name, according to their language, I believe them. I mean, that's between God as their judge. Sure. And then you look at their actions. The point of departure is Jesus. And I remember talking to um, an Iraqi officer who I was very close to. He died not long after that. Wonderful guy. And I said, he said, I think Allah is just another name for God. I said, okay, that's, you know, I don't know. I think so too. But God sent his son, Jesus, to save us. And, and that's, that's the difference. That's the difference. Yep, it and is. He's present with us. Another difference is in, in Christianity, we believe that we are children of God. Well, in Islam, you can only be a slave of God, an Abdullah, a slave of God. So it's a different relationship with God. My guest is David Eubank. Do this for love. Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. We've got part two with our conversation with David coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. All right, this is part two of my conversation with David Eubank, a missionary for this country and this world. Do this for love. Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. Uh, David, I want you to talk about maybe a specific story that pops out into your mind that uh, maybe is something you will never forget about your experiences. We were trying to save this little girl, and it's, it's, in, the, it's in the movie. We have a documentary called Free Burma Rangers, and you'll see the scene where this girl is hiding uh, under her dead mother for three days, and everybody in the street just about has been shot and killed. Oh, my god! we're trying to rescue her. And we, we, we need the Iraqis to help us, though. And so I asked the commander, can you give me a tank and a bulldozer and some, some armored Humvees, and we'll, we'll ask the Americans to drop smoke because I have a good relationship with them, and then you'll drive behind the smoke screen, and we'll rescue this kid. And the Iraqi commander said, no way. We only have two tanks left out of 30. We'll lose that tank. That kid will be killed anyway, and we won't be able to rescue anybody else. No way. Well, so, but there's no way you could run down the street and survive without a tank in front of you. And even then, armored vehicles were blown up. So finally, I called the Americans, my friends, and we had a good relationship. And I said, can you, and they, they knew the situation. I gave them the coordinates. They began to drop smoke. And I asked the Iraqi commander, I said, can I please have a tank and a bulldozer? Yeah. Can we do it now? Thank you. Yeah, the tank is first. The bulldozer clears the way so the Humvees can go behind because there's a lot of rubble. And he says, no. And I said, if Allah told you to, to give me a tank to save this kid, would you do it? And he goes, well, yes, if Allah told me. So I grabbed his hand. And when I was praying, I'm praying to God. But that God is an English word. Allah is an Arabic word. And so I just said a word he understood. I said, Allah, please tell this commander what to do. And I pray this. In Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name, I pray this. And then he opened his eyes. I said, what did Allah tell you? He said, one tank. Wow. God, told me, God told me to give you one tank. And we got that one tank. That's how we saved that kid. Oh, my goodness. So, so I found among Muslims people who believed in God and were willing to pray. And I remember when I first met one general and I got ready to leave after I'd introduced myself and what our relief teams could do to help them. I felt God say, you need to pray. I said, okay, I'm going to pray. And then I felt say, God say to me, get on your knees. I thought, get on my knees in front of these Muslim guys. Right. I, I look like a crusader, a Christian nutcase. Sure. And I felt God say, are you afraid of me? Or are you afraid of them? Okay, God, I'm afraid of you, not them. <laughs> so I got on my knees and I prayed in English, in Jesus name, to our Lord and Savior. And I got up and the Muslim general through my translator said to me, we don't know what you said, 
but we saw you on your knees praying to God and you respect God like we do. We trust you. You can go anywhere. We didn't know Americans still believed in God. We didn't know that. We thought you all from watching Hollywood. We don't think you guys believe anything. Oh man. Don't get me on that story. That propaganda machine. Like you wouldn't believe it's so true. Yeah. Wow. I said, you know, I told him, you know, I not only, I believe in God, my family believes in God and we're sent here by Jesus. Everything you see here, every piece of medicine we bring you, the vehicles we drive in is all from Christians, followers of Jesus in America who care about you that also believe in God. Even though they don't know you, yeah. And and then I said, at the end of the Battle of Mosul, the same Iraqi general, still a Muslim, said to me, thank you for showing us what it means to follow Jesus. And thank you for, please tell the Americans we love you and please love us. Wow. Yeah. And then in the Battle of Mosul, two Iraqi soldiers who were Muslim with me both became full-on followers of Jesus. They said, we're not going to be Muslim anymore. We're going to follow Jesus. And we baptized one of them in the Tigris River when the battle was over. So this is how we saw hearts and, and lives changed in the battle. David Eubank is uh, my guest in his new book, uh, or well, his, his book, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. Um, so there's a documentary that's already out and produced and available? Yes, it is. You can find that the documentary is called Free Burma Rangers. You can rent it on it. You can buy it or on Amazon, okay. Amazon Prime. You can go to FBR movie or Free Burma Ranger movie. It's a website and order a DVD. Or you can go to our website, freebermarangers.org and ask for one. Either way, you, you, know, you can stream it, which is the best quality, right on from Amazon. Sure. Or you can buy a DVD from FBR movie. And or you can contact Free Burma Rangers. David, I'm, I'm just so, so blessed to be talking to you and, and your story. Uh, I presume that uh, you are in America uh, at this point. Um, are you are you wanting or needing to go back um, to that part of the world um, to continue your mission? Oh, you're awesome. I am wanting and needing, but I want it to be God's will. Yes. Next week, we, we've got our girls in school. We're spending time with them right now, but next week we are trying to get back to Iraq and then from Iraq into Syria. And so we need, Bo, we need your prayers. We need anyone who's listening to pray. I don't know how prayer works. I know it does. And I know that God's people, when they pray together, things happen. And so we are trying to get back to Iraq to follow up on our work in Iraq. But also we are very much involved in Syria with the emergent church there. We had Many Muslim believers become Christians now, and we are helping with a couple new churches, as well as rebuilding an old Armenian Orthodox church that ISIS destroyed in Raqqa, and following up with relationships there, whether they're Christian or Muslim or Yazidi or Kaki, and there's many, many groups there, but going in the name of Jesus to help. And we're trying to get in next week. So that's a prayer request. Wow. Well, you've definitely got it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure anybody that's listening that does pray We'll keep you in their prayers. Um, so I, I have to, I have to be selfish here, and and you know we all look at the headlines of you know what's going on in America right now, the unrest and all the political battles and all these things. It's so sad, coronavirus. You know all of these things, and maybe you can uh, uh, agree with me, disagree with me, but we are all about the human race. We are just one race, people on this planet. And you may be thinking, what does it matter what's going on overseas in an, you know, on the other part of the world? You know what, what's going on here is as important for the work of Jesus Christ himself. And that's my belief. Um, your take on what's going on in America. Do you have any opinion that uh, you'd like to share? Well, first I love my country. I love my people. We could not 
do the work we do overseas if it wasn't for the prayers and love and support of Americans. And we're just one of many people going out from America trying to share God's love. And it's only possible because the wellspring, the ever-springing love and faith of America. To me, the most exceptional, wonderful thing of America are the believers. You know, we've got a beautiful country, many natural beauties. That's awesome. So we've got a democratic system that works. That's great. None of that will really go anywhere without God at the center. And the American church, um, all over of every kind, those that try to follow the Lord, they make a difference. They make America what it is and a place of hope and beauty. You know, when we're overseas, people complain a lot about America, but which, and they usually have good reasons, but they still want to come. Right. They still want to come. It still works. The thing, the, the, the American dream is a thing that is a global desire. Right. It's about freedom. You're allowed to believe in any religion or no religion. You, there is a, a due process. It doesn't matter what your, your father's name was. You can get justice. Right. And what I see happening now is, is in a way it's new and way it's not. The form is taken as new, but the problem is old. You know, we had a civil war before we killed each other by the hundreds of thousands. And so that's not new. What's new is the latest permutation of, of evil and of disagreement. Yeah. And so I think for me, I start with one, God is bigger than every problem. Keep praising Jesus, even in the midst of these, keep praising him. Number two, take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck so that you can better take the speck out of your neighbors. Number three, stay in your lane. Only do what Jesus has you do or say, because not every argument, even if you're right, you need to get into. Not every evil thing you see, you need to take action. You need to ask God, do I take action or not? Could you take it on your own and your own strength? You're fighting the devil, you're fighting people, and you're probably going to lose, no matter how right you are. But when you say, God, what do I do? And he says, do it. Then do it boldly with all your might, because he's with you. And go for it. But if he doesn't say do it, then you wait. And don't worry, dear listeners, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really fed up with what's happening. I should do something. Am I being a coward? Am I being lazy? Don't worry, because if you open your heart to God, look in the Bible. When God wants something done, he'll tell a prophet. He'll tell his people very clearly. In fact, half the time, they didn't even want to hear it. Absolutely. They woken up and told, go do this. So we're not chickening out, believers, if we don't just take this action or that action. We're his obedient servants. We're about building his kingdom. And he will tell you what to do when you open your heart. And you will do it in love, and you'll do it with his power. It's not fire and forget. He's going to go with you. And so if I have two friends that were never involved politically, suddenly they are. Right. Felt God told them to be. And so you can trust God in this. And I think to keep boldly giving people the reason we have hope, and that's in Jesus. And we can be bold in all the things that are about him. And we can be humble in ourselves. Dave Eubank, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. And I, I will keep you in my prayers and your family in my prayers as you try to get on a plane and go back. Uh, but I want to, I want to encourage people to uh, look your book up, do this for love, free Burma Rangers in the battle of Mosul on Amazon or Netflix was the uh, documentary. Uh, The documentary is on Amazon and also FBR movie. Okay. That website, you can order a DVD from FBR movie, free Burma Ranger movie. And then on Amazon, you can buy the book. Okay. And freeburmarangers.org. Is that where people can support you financially, spiritually, yes, sir. everything? Uh, yeah. Freeburmarangers.org is our website. You can get information. You can contact us. You can learn how to support if God leads you. Wonderful. God bless you, David. Thank you so much for your time. 
Bo, God bless you and give your daughter and your whole family my love and appreciation. And God bless America. We don't get to choose our families, but this is our family. And so we can love and respect each other. We don't have to agree, but we can respect each other. That's what God wants. And I thank God for my family and for you, Bo. I think it's good for anybody's heart to find that book, Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul by David Eubank. My name is Bo Matthews. Stick around. We're going to lighten it up now and actually spice it up a little bit with a product that is originating from St. Louis called Umami. We're going to tell you all about it coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and you know, I love food. Uh, I've always loved food, and uh, I got another food item that originates here in St. Louis, and we're going to take a stab at this. I've got the founder of a food category, more of a spice category. I'm going to guess it's umami. That's correct. Ah, I got it right. Okay. <laughs> well, the first thing I thought of uh, was uh, edamame. Um, and when I saw the name, but we've got Mark Engel, uh, he is the founder of Umami. I guess, is that the name of the company? Uh, the name of the company is Fifth Taste Foods, and that's because umame is a Japanese word similar to edamame. And what umami means in Japanese is yummy or deliciousness. And it was a word that was created to represent something uh, that the Japanese call the fifth taste. So in addition to sweet, sour, salty and bitter umami is the fifth taste and you can think of it as the conductor in an orchestra it basically takes sweet sour and salty and bitter makes it sing where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and it makes the flavors last longer in your mouth wow so so our brand is the phonetic spelling of the japanese word umami okay so let's let's begin Uh, the first thing i heard about you mark was your company launched right at the beginning of the pandemic uh, yeah, we started doing re- uh, deep research a year ago okay. uh, about ingredients uh, from global places like Szechuan, China, or Oaxaca, Mexico. And by the time we did the research and product development, uh, our first pallet of product landed in St. Louis on March 17th. So how's that for timing? The day <laughs> Perfect. Everything shut. <laughs> is umami made in the U.S.? It is absolutely made in the U.S. Uh, it's handmade in small batches. Uh, and so we're pretty proud of that. Okay, so we're going to get to the we're going to get to what umami is in just a moment. But tell me about sure. you and your background. You 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 claim to be uh, a pioneer. To explain that. In 1989, when I was 24 years old, I decided I wanted to learn to speak Chinese. Okay. Now you know, take a a white guy from a small town in the U.S. I moved to a rural village in Taiwan, and there were maybe four white people there, and that's where I learned to speak Chinese. Um, but while I was there, um, I got, I love food like you. I think about food 24 hours a day, seven right. days a week. It's a and problem. I love feeding people. <laughs> it's a good problem to have, right? But imagine landing in Taiwan in a small village where no one speaks English. And so I had to be comfortable with ambiguity. I had to make friends at all these little restaurants. And the first uh, five words I learned were, which is beef, chicken, pork, fish, and vegetable. <laughs> okay. And so I would literally go into like a restaurant and point to something. And if it wasn't one of those five things, I'd move on. So, you know, there weren't a lot of people studying Chinese 24 years ago. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning of my pioneering efforts. Um, and, and when you and, when you went, when you decided to go as a younger man, 
what was your profession going to be when you got there? Or, or were you just going on like a va- an extended vacation? What, what was that? Yeah, so um, I was 24. I had worked for a couple of years out of college. I saved $7,000 to my name. And when I left, my family thought I would be back in two weeks. Right. Well, I came home three years later. Wow. And um, it was probably the most exciting but challenging thing that I've ever done. Um, and from a profession, I wanted to go into business because my thinking was there's a billion people in China. Yeah. And that was what was exciting to me. Now, what's interesting is in America, they don't teach us about um, Chinese history. And Chinese history has 5,000 years of history versus our 200 years. Right. And so it just grabbed me by the throat. You know, they were the first to build bridges to uh, make ships, to map the stars, um, gunpowder, the compass. Right, right. And it was just fascinating to me. And so when did you get into the food business? So great question. So after um, being in Taiwan, I got a master's in business from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, but I also got a master's in Chinese. And after I graduated, I went to work at General Mills. And so that's where I was formally trained in classical marketing. And that was the beginning of my food career. That's amazing. We're talking with Mark Engel. He's got a, a new spice that uh, it says on its website, a thousand and one uses, one spoon. It's called umami. And I actually Googled it. And I must have got it right. I must have spelt it right. But it's umami dot uh, net is the website to order it. So this is a, a mail order business. Uh, we learned that you started around the beginning of pandemic, which actually isn't a terrible thing in the sense that a lot of people were cooking at home and we're all looking for a little bit different spice. Now, uh, Mark, let me ask you this. What happened to Sriracha? Cause that just, that came and went and I've still got a big jug of it cause I'm not a fan, um, in, in my fridge. It, it's just gone. Doesn't it seem like that? Um, I don't think it's gone, but you know, for me, sriracha is two-dimensional. It's a liquid and it's hot. Umame is multi-dimensional. So, you know, we worked hard. There's over 14 ingredients in our Mexican um, umame. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's really a backbone of chili. There's a blend of four Mexican chilies, but then there's toasted nuts and seeds. So there's whole cumin seeds, whole coriander seeds, pumpkin seeds. There's orange peel. And then when all that magic is happening in your mouth, um, you get this hit of mango. And so it's just brilliant. And so there's this amazing texture um, and crunchy and chewy and sweet. And so there's no comparison to any hot sauces on the market. At the Thai restaurant that we go to, and we were just there a few days ago, they always ask hot one through five. And I'm, right. I, I I like spice, but I don't like pain. My wife, she, right. she likes a lot more spice, so she'll order the four or five. I'll, I'll usually top out at about number three. So is umami, is that a, is it a, is it a pain? Is it a flavor? Is it, is it both or can, can it be both? It is more about the layers of flavors and textures. Yeah. Our goal is to give you this amazing flavor from these faraway places like Oaxaca, Mexico or Szechuan, China or India. Um, so, and then the heat is just there. Um, you know, the, the hot sauce market's a billion dollars. And people are looking for heat. But if you're looking for burn yourself heat, that's not what we're about. <laughs> so so your two lanes that uh, I see on your website are uh, the Chinese chili crisp and the Mexican chili crisp. And we're also launching an Indian and a Moroccan one, which are amazing. Same sort of structure. But so we took this idea of mouthfeel and texture and umami. And we said, how do we do that with authentic flavors from Mexico, right. like chipotle chilies? 
Um, and then how do we do with authentic flavors from Kerala, India, Southern India, or Fez, Morocco? Um, and that's what we've done. So that's really the pioneering work that we're doing here and bringing about this whole new category. Because we're also all natural, we're gluten-free, we're low sodium, and we're keto-friendly. So um, you know, the fact that vegans can eat this and bring amazing umami flavor to their dishes, oh, yeah. uh, it's really new to the market. Okay. Well, uh, now you got everybody's mouth watering. Uh, where can people buy it? Is it only online or can you get it in stores? Yeah. So, uh, it's online today. You can get it at Bolliard's Butcher in, um, in Maplewood, Civil Alchemy in Webster Grove, Summit Produce in the Kirkwood Farmer's Market. So these are just a few of the places, right. um, where you can find it. Um, I didn't know, Bo, but if you knew this, but we were nominated by the natural foods industry as a finalist for best new condiment. Fantastic. And what's amazing is that we're competing against Patagonia Provisions, a big fortune, you know, 500 company. <laughs> taking on um, the big guys. Taking on the big guys. <laughs> Good <So> for you. <laughs> we'll find out in two weeks whether we win, but just to be nominated was amazing. Okay, well, congratulations on that, and uh, I, I'll mention it now, free shipping with an order of two jars. So if you're interested in what uh, Mark has had to say about umami, and uh, if we piqued your interest, I say get on the website, umami.net, that's O-O-M-A-M-E.net. Something else positive and famous that is coming from St. Louis from a guy named Mark Angle. Mark, thank you so much for your time on KMOX, man. Both, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, before we close the show out, next weekend, two major events are going on. Shoot for the Troops for the Joshua Chamberlain Society is up near Old Monroe. That's a skeet shooting type of competition. And we're going to talk with a representative from the JCS next. Also, uh, Jefferson County Power Tour, the Jeffco Power Tour's 10th anniversary. Got a vehicle that you have in your garage, you don't get out very often, or you love to drive. This may be the event for you. It's just a reason to get out and enjoy the fall weather we've got. So we'll talk to Jake from the Jeffco Power Tours 10th anniversary. Also coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Lots of uh, great events going on with great weather. And I want to introduce you to Matt Cutler. He is part of the Joshua Chamberlain Society. And he and I go back several years. But if you don't know about JCS or the Joshua Chamberlain Society, they're unlike any other veterans organization. I will tell you, for those that are uh, charitable hearts, uh, they are a 501c3 federally tax-exempt charity. But their mission is what's so important. It's to make wounded veterans and families of deceased veterans feel the support and appreciation and love of their community for life. And so, Matt, welcome. You guys have a huge event coming up called Shoot for the Troops, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to see you finally after so long. Uh, everything going good for you? Yeah, everything's wonderful. Hey, Bo, thanks for having us on. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we've got one of our several, we have a couple major events of the year. This one is probably my favorite, though. It's uh, the Shoot for the Troops event, October 3rd, way up north in Old Monroe, Missouri. We've got uh, a whole bunch of people coming out and some of our JCS heroes as well. It's just going to be a beautiful day raising money for some severely wounded veterans. It's actually a Black Hawk Valley Hunt Club. It's up by uh, you know, North on 79, way up in Old Monroe. Black Hawk Valley Hunting Preserve is where it's going to be held. Um, are you still looking for participants? Yeah, we have some space. You know, we, we, we typically run the event in three different flights. The first flight goes out at 8 o'clock. It takes about an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes to run the course. Then we'll do uh, a lunch. Pappy's is our traditional lunch, along with... Uh, 
Soul Taco and some other great that McAllister's participates as well. So great food for lunch. We do a little presentation and then we have our last flight at about two o'clock and, and that one is pretty wide open. We're down. We usually sell out. It's it's known to be the biggest sporting clay event in the state of Missouri every wow. year. That's great. And I think uh, given the um, COVID situation we have, we're, we're a little bit down on numbers, but the afternoon flight is is wide open. Well, and, and, and uh, you know, Budweiser supports us. There's plenty of adult beverages as well after you're done shooting. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because Tony Colombo and I are going to go out there for some kind of competition. You guys are going to cook up. I don't know what that entails, but I'm all in for it. Uh, normally, and you've invited me several times to your black tie event, your gala, and um, I'm not a black tie kind of guy, so I've never been, although I love the work you're doing, but this is a perfect thing. This is a perfect event for somebody that may not be a black tie event guy, right? Absolutely. It is, a, <laughs> it is a jeans and flannel type of event. There's uh, no doubt about it. Matt, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you again after so long, and uh, if people want to sign up ahead of time, where can they go to do that? Well, the, the best place to go is our website, chamberlainsociety.org. At the top, there's an event tab. Uh, don't 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 skip over the heroes tab. Click on that. Um, we've got a couple chapters now. We're in Nashville and oh, wow. as well. But click click on the the uh, heroes for St. Louis. Get to know some of these guys. You know, quadruple amputees, triple amputees, double amputees, traumatic brain injuries. The stories are amazing. But then after you get to know the heroes, scooch over to the events tab. Scroll down. You'll see our 12th annual shoot for the troops page. You go check that out. Um, Come out and join us. Come out and see some some great American heroes. Have some great food. And after you're done shooting a couple of adult beverages, and it's, it's going to be a fantastic day. All right. Well, thanks for doing the heavy lifting for our soldiers. And, uh, Matt, we will see you next weekend. Thank you so much for joining me today on KMOX. Hey, it's my honor to do this for the soldiers, and I really appreciate all these years. Bo, you've been getting the message out about these wounded heroes. I can't thank you enough, buddy. Thank you, you again. We'll see you next weekend. Okay, so that's Saturday's event. On Sunday's event, I'm actually going to try and partake in this if my car will start. Uh, I've got an old 79 Firebird. It was my mom's car, so I don't drive it very often. But, man, when I do, it feels like I'm riding with mom. Uh, it's a, it's an event called the Jefferson County Power Tour. I've got Jake on the line. Jake is actually uh, leading this charge. Uh, first of all, if anybody has a car they want to get out and you know blow the cobwebs out, uh, charge a battery, do that. Jake, tell me uh, where this event is going to start for the Jefferson County Power Tour, which I've known about for a long time, but I've never had time to participate until this year. Um, this year, we're actually starting in St. Francis County in Bonterre at an automotive shop called Griffin Automotive Design. At what time? Kind of arrive on lot between 8 and 10 a.m. After there, we're going to have a driver's meeting, and then we go to our second stop, which is Bonterre Drag Strip. And then we hang out there for about an hour and a half, just kind of checking things out. And then we leave from there and go to Morley Performance. And that's going to be our final resting place, kind of like a, an after-party show, food truck, stuff like that. But what if you're not involved in a, in a car club? Can you still go to the Jefferson County Power Tour? Of course. As far as, uh, you know, participating in the Jefferson County Power Tour, um, you know, all, all we ask is, uh, you know, one thing, it's a, a car, truck, it's a vehicle thing, uh, no bikes. Um, it can be a brand-new Camaro or Mustang. you got exhaust on it, stuff like that. Um, you know, we're not really picky on uh, what kind of cars are. We're just trying to get out and uh, drive and have fun. And one of the big things about this show that I do is uh, it's traveling. I go to a lot of car shows. A lot of guys spend the whole time uh, cleaning the cars, and right. uh, that's just not not really what uh, what I was kind of uh, raised to enjoy. So I just like getting out and kind of terrorizing the pavement and having fun and meeting new people. So uh, with this show having three stops and about 
you know, a 60 to 100 mile uh, drive that uh, gets everybody out driving their cars and, uh, and enjoying them. Yeah, buddy. And that's a good reason to get out to do it. Jeffco Power Tour. It's the 10th anniversary. We're talking with Jake. Jake, is there a fee to be involved in this? No, that's another good thing. I get that question a lot. Maybe Jefferson you should charge. <laughs> I, I get that suggestion a lot, too. So, uh, as far as Jeffco Power Tour, it's 100% free. Okay. Um, you show up, hang out. Every stop, you get a free raffle ticket. So if you got an old car, new car, hot rods, stuff like that, this year I have over $5,000 worth of free stuff to give away. There's wow. no catch. Like you show up, you get, I mean, I got tool sets. I got one of the pri- top prizes this year is a snap-on tool set that the retail value is $850. Dang. So that's going to be probably one of the one of the first things to pick. So okay. absolutely free show unless you want food or you want to buy a T-shirt or hat or a sticker or something like that. That's the only stuff section that costs you anything. No okay. registration, just uh, show up and hang out have fun and enjoy the day okay so jake uh i've got to ask if you're the organizer does this mean you don't get to participate or are you going to get your car out currently i don't actually have a car what um to drive but you can but, ride shotgun with me well yeah that, that's one option but see in our family uh through demerit hot rods and, and our business stuff like that um we have roughly 20 classic cars um there's there's always something to stable. Uh, this year it's probably going to be a '55 Chevy. That's what I'm leaning towards driving. Would you agree that it's kind of like this? That it's it's not so much fun to own a boat, but it's great to have friends with boats or family with boats. Exactly. That's the mentality exactly. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to come to the power tour and you don't have a uh, car or whatever, you know, justifies what. Uh, what's allowed uh you know make friends quick you got a week that's that's right exactly <laughs> jeffco power tour 10th anniversary it's listed like that on facebook jake we will see you next sunday morning in bon Terre. thank you all right and that is going to wrap it up for the show this week uh we'll see you next weekend at either the shoot for the troops or the jeffco power tour i want to thank all of my guests including jake right there and have a great rest of your weekend